up and welcome back to the something's brewing podcast episode 34 34 the carl soderberg the shane knighty sheriff shane knighty the bob beers 98.5 goat the 34th episode of something's brewing podcast brought to you by the black and gold productions llc you can follow them on twitter at bng productions as always i'm mike sullivan you can follow myself on twitter at underscore mike sullivan alongside my partner nick you can follow him on twitter at nick melanson underscore um the bruins had a little bit of a tough week a weird week but I feel like we're kind of at that part of the season. You know, guys are hurt. Guys are taking nights off. You're not going to be able, you're not going to see a consistent, um, I I don't want to say effort, but you're not going to see consistency like we did in the beginning of the season. They're tinkering with the defensive pairings right now. Um, you're still, you know, you got guys in Bertuzzi, Orlov and Hathaway who are still getting acclimated to the team. Um, you know they're 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 going through changes right now, and it's a good thing. And they're and they're going to struggle. Ba- basically, we're we're gonna cover the Oilers game and the two Detroit games over the weekend. Um, obviously, we we know how those went, but we'll kind of go through them and walk through a little bit. But before we start that, Mel, what you've been up to? Nothing much. I've been enjoying my pie day. Happy pie day! Happy by the pie way. day! <clears throat> Are you celebrating? Did you get yourself a little slice of apple pie? I didn't, but actually, now that you mention it after the recording, I might have to go get myself a nice slice of apple or ooh, or blueberry. Blueberry no, pie he, is good. Strawberry rhubarb is mm. very underrated pie. It's my favorite pie. But I myself, <clears throat> a little bit of a diet, so I just spent my day looking at pie graphs. No eating pies for me. <laughs> um, celebrate I, somehow. Yeah, might as well do a little math. I did spend my weekend, however, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have caught a little bit of hashtag Mel's bets last night now that we can (laughs) bet in the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I was throwing some money down. If it wasn't for some of those, like guaranteed bets on DraftKings, I would probably be down a hundred bucks. And that's my problem. <laughs> that's my problem because I, I went to college in Connecticut where sports betting is legal. So I would use DraftKings down there and I won. I'll never forget uh, <laughs> Super Bowl last year. I had maybe 30 bucks in my account end of the first half. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put $1 on a bet that the first touchdown the first play of the second half will be a receiving touchdown to t higgins wouldn't you know the first play of the second half somehow was like a 78 yard passing touchdown to t higgins so i won 71 bucks and that money's just been sitting in my account because of course you couldn't bet in massachusetts so now i'm blessed now i'm i'm doing little bets here and there but i do i do want to say i have a 12 game parlay going tonight i only put one dollar down 
and I just picked game. Who I, 12 game parlay. No. I went down. No, no. <laughs> I looked at all of the games in the NHL tonight. I just picked who I think is going to win, put $1 down, and if it all hits, it's like 600 bucks. Who did you pick? Wait, now I'm curious. Just go through your winners really quick because now I, a 12-game parlay is crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. crazy, and that's why $1 is like a plus 59000 or something like that. Oh, my God. I would. You might as well even put down like 5 bucks If that hits, well, that's crazy, dude. And I, I put down the favorite for pretty much every game. Uh, except for a few of them. Hang on, I'm signing it right now. All right, tonight I have a 12-game parlay. I have uh, the Lightning over the Devils. That was at plus 110. I have the Rangers over the Capitals. I have the Las Vegas Golden Knights over the dumpster fire that are the Philadelphia Flyers. (laughs) I have the Hurricanes over the Jets, although the news today about Svechnikov, it's a little scary, but Winnipeg does suck, so that's okay. (laughs) I have have Pittsburgh over – well, I mean, not okay. Forget it. I have Pittsburgh over Montreal. I have Detroit over Nashville because Detroit inspired me with their back-to-back play this weekend. I, we'll I was gonna bet. I was gonna bet Detroit tonight. I have the Bruins over the Blackhawks. The Bruins are a minus four twenty-five, which is like a near guarantee lock that they're gonna win. I have Edmonton <laughs> over Ottawa. I have Calgary over Arizona. I have Dallas over Vancouver. Uh, the Islanders over the Kings, and yep. then I thought I'd get a little spicy, and I took the Blue Jackets over the Sharks. I put one dollar down. If it hits, I get five hundred fifty-two dollars and sixty-five cents. I like. Hey, you know what? Those are actually. I like that bet. That's a good bet. To the moon. Every like once a week, I might just put down one dollar on a ridiculous parlay because I've seen it on Twitter before, where like like ESPN, Bleacher Report, all these accounts are like, look at this guy's parlay. And he'll like place a bet from like 40 years ago that like so-and-so will die this week. Um, This kid who was like eight years old at the time of the bet, who's now like LeBron James will score 40 points tonight. Um, The Oklahoma city thunder formerly known as the Seattle supersonics will win their game. And it's just like a bunch of stupid stuff. And it'll be like bet $2 to win $485,000 or something like that. So I was like, you know what? Let's become millionaires overnight. Hey, well, speaking of um, gambling becoming legal in Massachusetts, um, basically our, our our parent podcast, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, um, congratulations to them because they just uh, signed FanDuel along with their podcast, and uh, they are now a sponsorship for their show. So congrats to Mark. Congrats to C40. Um, you get, you know, you guys are going to the moon and it's awesome to see, and we're very proud to work with you guys, um, in this company, but, um, let's jump into some Bruins hockey talk. Um, so Boston went into Edmonton and if you can remember the Bruins beat Edmonton just a couple of weeks ago, um, they held McDavid to only two goals in that game, but in this game, McDavid actually went <laughs> scoreless, but Edmonton won. So Bruins opened up the scoring. It was Marshawn and Pasta, a quick 2-0 lead. That was actually the game where Buzzer Buzzer, where Pasta hit the buzzer beater goal in the first period. It was like it went in with like 0.2 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was nice. But then after that, Bouchard got a goal for Edmonton. McLeod got his 11th for Edmonton. And then Darnell Nurse closed it off uh late in the third period. But 
that game, I, I don't know. What did you expect from that game? Did you expect the Bruins to kind of go into Edmonton and dominate, or did you expect it to be close, especially after yeah. seeing them last week? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. It was a bit of a mixed bag for me. It's always hard when you play a team like that, especially Edmonton, a team that you don't see often, when you play them that close together. I mean, we just saw the Bruins played a, a kind of crappy Detroit team and yeah. uh, almost lost both of them if it wasn't for a, a dominating second period. Um, but against Edmonton, I wasn't really sure because I know they just picked up a lot of guys at the trade deadline. They made a whole bunch of moves. Um, so I wasn't sure how they would mesh, you know, playing a team like the Bruins coming in. But, you know, they just saw the Bruins like a week before this game. Um, McDavid, who, of course, is the best player in the world, only had one shot this entire game. Not that he yeah. was invisible on the ice. I mean, he was still out there making plays. But, um, you know, I think he had a stretch before this where he had uh, five consecutive games with two goals and then like over his next four games he had like i, I remember seeing a, a statistic that um in his last 11 games mcdavid had 12 goals and 27 points i believe heading into this game against Christ. the bruins so like this guy is on fire but i don't know I, I, I know they lost the game but it has to give you a little bit of optimism looking at you know the bruins defensive unit was a basically was effectively able to shut down mcdavid for what felt like the whole game i mean he only had yeah. one shot he wasn't able to get into scoring opportunities orlov um, dude orlov was bullying him behind the net too yes he was he was he was bullying mcdavid Dude. He was throwing his weight around, but you know this is—I wouldn't call it a trap game because Edmonton is is suddenly a really good team out in the West. Um, they have been; they've just been missing some pieces, and I still don't have a lot of faith in their two goaltenders. I know. Um, what do you, th- you think? Skinner's probably going to be the guy. Jack Campbell, man. They, Jack Campbell stinks. I think they. Just, I think they've been running with Skinner for a while now. Yeah. they just gave up on Campbell. I don't really think they have an option to at this point, and I and right. I, I I feel like that's really the only thing holding the Oilers back is they don't have the best goaltending duo. Honestly, yeah. it's one of the worst one-two combos in the entire league, especially with how Jack Campbell's playing. Well, dude, and- you're you're 100% right because when you look at Edmonton's offense, obviously they they have two of the greatest offensive players in the game right now in Drysaitel and McDavid. Um, and then defensively, I mean, now D- Darnell Nurse, good solid guy back there. Um, they just picked that, up Ekholm too. That, yeah, now they have Matias Ekholm. Um, Evan Bouchard is no joke. He's pretty good. So I mean, they have at least three defensemen who can hold it down. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a guy or two, but um, maybe we can ask Oilers analytics for his yeah, on their, dude. On their defense. A, but, a lot yeah, about the you're right, dude. Goalie goaltending is all they need. Yeah, man. And a lot about the Oilers too. Like, I mean, they're they're their division sucks. sucks. Like it's almost like a farmer's division out there. So like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I remember I tweeted something about, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins having a career year. I believe yes. he already has 30 goals. He's averaging over a point per game for the first time of his career. And I tweeted something about it. And this guy was like, well, yeah, I mean, they're playing in a farmer's league that the division sucks. <laughs> I was like, I mean, you're not wrong, like, honestly. So, you know, it, to see them come out and, uh, you know, not steal a game, but I mean, I thought that they they deserved that win against the Bruins the other night. Um, hard fought yeah. game, but you know, it, it it makes me happy as as a Bruins fans to know that uh, they won't have to run into the Oilers in the playoffs. Because even though I feel like the Bruins are a, are a, the better team, uh, the Bruins have been horrible on uh, special teams, especially the power play. Terrible. And talk about tale of two teams, uh, the Oilers. I remember I said it a couple a couple weeks ago that you know how are the Oilers. 
power play? How is it not historic? Well, it is. They were saying in the game when the Bruins play the Oilers, they had like a th- it was like they had like a thirty one point two percent power play power play percentage and like the it's NHL ridiculous. record is only like 0.9% higher like they're literally right there to having the greatest power play in the history of the NHL and like it's not surprising when you look at the players they have in their power play so I think if I was out west like if I was Colorado or a team like that I would be worried about Edmonton especially after these trade deadline pickups but thankfully for the Bruins I mean if they make it to, they only seem if they make them to the cup so yeah Edmonton's power play right now is running at 31.6% and that's good for first in the league that's, that's, crazy. that's good for like second all time <laughs> like yeah that. That's that's crazy. And it's not surprising. And like it's like you watch them out there and it's not just that McDavid is a good player. And I feel I literally I feel like every episode I go on this huge McDavid tangent about how obsessed I am with this guy. But like it's like you look at David Pasternak, right? And Post is second in the NHL in goals, right? He's does he have 50 yet? How many? He's he's probably getting he's in his 40s. He's in his he's in the mid-40s, I think, like 43, 44, whatever. Um, Pasternak also leads the NHL in turnovers the last two years. I think Connor McDavid was like 10th. But David Pasternak is like the one of the best goal scorers I've ever seen in Bruins history, especially with like the style of play, the the pace of the game today. It's different. And like Connor McDavid, man, he can do everything that like our favorite player can do and more like he's so like light speed like he's got the most assists in the league most goals in the league most points in the league it's it's night and day it's crazy dude so like you said Edmonton is fighting basically for that number one power play percentage like of all time the record is the 1977-1978 Montreal Canadiens their power play percentage was 31.9 percent so edmonton is only 0.3 percent behind that <laughs> oh my god it ridiculous yeah ridiculous what, okay what do you think is more likely do you think it's more likely that the bruins are going to get the points and wins record or that edmonton's going to get that power play record i would say edmonton getting the power play record Dude. i'm looking at the i'm looking at the records right now there are only two teams um that posted a top 10 power play percentage in a single season um, that have played in the year 2000 or after. Can you guess what those two teams are? You said, sorry, there are two teams that have a a what? Their power play percentage is in the top 10 all time. Like at the end of the season. Since 2000? Since everyone else is from the 70s and the 80s. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to guess one of those lightning teams, like the 2018 lightning. Is that one of them? Nope. Really? Um, Okay. So technically, technically it's one team. It's, it's Edmonton 20, 2019, 2020. And then this season's Edmonton Oilers as well. So Connor McDavid, (laughs) I mean, that, there you go. There's another stat to rub (laughs) in McDavid's favor. He, he's running the best, one of the best power plays of all time. That's crazy. That's for for like back to back years now, or back to back to back years. That's insane. And we're not even talking about Drysaddle. I thought right. they said as well during the game that uh, Drysaddle has the most power play goals. He has like thirty power play goals this year, or something crazy. And he has like fifty five power play goals over the last two seasons, or something, which is most in the league. I believe Pasta was second with like forty five or fifty or some shit like that. Yeah, but a bunch um, of power play merchants up there at Edmonton, huh? They should be. I, if I was, if I was the coach of the Oilers, I would teach my guys to flop and dive, throw your sticks, <laughs> yard sale every time you get hit because it, it's a it's almost a near goal. 
every time they go on the power play. That's what it feels like. So Leon Dreisaitl right now, he has 42 goals. Guess how many of those came on the power play? 40, I'm going to guess uh, <laughs> 33. 27. Dude, even that's, that's, a, that's a, lot. a lot. Of, yeah, that's a lot I mean, of you goals have, going on the power You have play. guys who uh, – Guys have their numbers hanging in the rafters for having a couple 30-goal seasons. This guy's got 27 on the power play. (laughs) On the power play. That's crazy. Put his number up there next to number 12, huh? Right next to the rafters? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's where the Bruins are getting in trouble lately. Their power play stinks. I think I saw a stat the other day. I I think you actually sent it to me. At one point, they were five for their last 59 power plays. They were five for 55. Five for 55. And then I believe they scored a power play goal in that game, but they were like one for five or one for six. It might have been against Edmonton, honestly, because they were like, look at this. On one side, you have this like NHL historic power play. And on the other side, you have this absolutely historic wagon of a team that cannot score in the power play to save their lives. And it was just an interesting contradiction. And the Bruins penalty kill this season is number one in the league at 85.6. So it's the power play that's, that's just not functioning. What do you think is, is the power play's problem? I don't know really, because you, it's not like you don't have the weapons to use on the power play. You could put pasta on that in the, you know, in the OV spot. He loves the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you got offensive weapons up top with Lindholm, McAvoy. Um, I mean, they tried Orlov up there the other day. That didn't look bad. But and then you got you got bigger guys down front who can kind of screen the goalie too. I, I don't know what the problem is. It's weird. Yeah, and it's even it's not just scoring. They've given up a couple shorties too. They gave up a yeah. shorthanded goal, I believe, the first time they played Edmonton. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're missing Taylor Hall. Put Taylor Hall back out there on the power play. But I mean, Could that be. doesn't that doesn't affect the whole unit because the first unit can't score either. And you feel like that should be uh, one of the this team's strengths is their power play. I mean, they're, they've always had a strong penalty kill. They've always had a strong uh, defensive system. But I mean, this team has absolutely no lack of goal scores. I mean, their goalie is a damn goal scorer for Pete's sake. And they, <laughs> and they can't get actually, it done on the power play. It's so funny because now whenever there's an empty net, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed in the games, but whenever there's an empty net and goal and uh, Omar gets the puck on his stick, the crowd is like, oh, yeah, no, it's in every time uh, <laughs> the other team pulls the pulls their goalie. The announcer is always like, and because oh, the Bruins have had a bit of a string of national games here when they played Edmonton and Detroit was nationally televised too. both times the goal, the uh, the other teams. Jesus Christ! The announcer was like, "And let's not forget, Linus Olmark does have a goal to his name." And the, when they when the net was pulled, it's like, "We know, we saw it, <laughs> dude." Actually, we need to talk about this too. How stupid, how stupid is it that you have the NHL's greatest talent outside of Wayne Gretzky playing the NHL's number one team, who's who's on pace for a absolutely historic season you got the best player in the league and you got the best team in the league facing off in edmonton espn hockey night you can only watch it on espn plus how how awful is that for people who don't have espn plus no and especially too because like it's not just that it's a good a good couple good teams but it's it's probably the two most marketable teams you can think of i mean the bruins team is original six team huge market david posterdock might as well be the new ceo of dunkin donuts he's in every ad (laughs) 
people know Brad Marchand's <laughs> names. I would like to think that even there might be some people outside of hockey who knows Brad Marchand's name. Patrice Bergeron, yep. Edmonton, of course, they have Connor McDavid, although putting Connor McDavid, I don't know if you saw, he was at some like awards thing on the microphone. It was excruciating. Yeah, it's man, like lo- trying to- man, man loves Nickelback. <laughs> I'd rather listen to a, a toad croak than listen to that dude behind a microphone. He's so, so boring. He's so um, awkward, dude. They, oh, no, he is. Have you seen the pictures of him at the airport when he took a yes. picture of that dude? Oh, my God. There's, it's like the, he's, he looks like he's, he's like a hostage, dude. He's literally just like standing there. And like you could tell he's uncomfortable because like he's he's pinning his wrists to like his thighs and his shoulders are kind of like up like he's doing like a shoulder shrug. And there's yeah. just like this middle aged couple, each of them grabbing one of his arms. And he looks horrified, like yeah. his facial expressions like he looks like somebody just stomped on his toe. He looks so concerned. <laughs> and that is the NHL's biggest and brightest star until Connor Bedard comes. They, then yep. they could have two that they could market. But no, it's a total, total uh, drop of the ball. And even like, not even just for this game, but I was seeing on Twitter, um, the blackouts are going crazy. There was some game that you could get in Hawaii, but you couldn't get on like the West Coast. Dude, and it- I tried to watch the Rangers and the Sabres game the other day. And I couldn't watch it because it was blacked out. I'm like, this has to be wrong. I live yeah. in Massachusetts. Why when I was blacked out? When I was in college, I went to college in Southern Connecticut. I could not watch Bruins and Rangers games. I'm lit because I'm out of market. I'm right in between them. And the Hartford Whalers aren't here anymore. So who else would I be watching? Whose market am I in? But I don't remember the exact team, but I remember I think I saw it on Twitter. Hawaii is is the most remote, civilized island. Uh, population, whatever you want to call it, in the world, it's like, oh, it's like over twenty five hundred miles away from the closest civilization or some shit. And they could get like the Seattle Kraken game, but if you were in Northern California, it was blacked out. And it just it makes like no sense. Just, That's not I, how you grow the game. No, and I, I don't understand. Even in a business standpoint, I don't understand how blackouts are a good thing for anybody. I don't get it either. It, well, I, I, think I guess it, it protects like the broadcast locally, but like really, you're really. I gonna, think. Like, I think that's what it is because teams pay hand over fist mm-hmm. to get the the streaming rights, the coverage rights for these local games, yep. and like they like they're like you better not be showing these games just outside of our jurisdiction because we paid a lot of money for it and it's probably why they're able to charge so much money for these streaming rights because i mean let's face it the nhl can use all the money that they can get because Mm -hmm. they are not getting nearly as much money as these other leagues are but um oh shit i was gonna make another point too about streaming but i forgot what it was but it's oh i know what it was i know what it was they just the nhl they just had another part of the problem too not just blackouts but they just signed this massive deal with espn oh my god and and like 90 percent of the company refuses to acknowledge them and like like i like steve levy i hate when he calls games i think he's a good dude i like john butchagross i like his college coverage i don't like that much when he talks about the nhl i like um uh is like biz gretzky pk suban is that espn or is that like biz, tnt biz gretzky anson carter used to be rick talkett before he got hired by vancouver that's tnt i yeah. love tnt's coverage i think they yeah. do a phenomenal job yeah tnt like, does really good with all the sports that they have espn just makes it like ticky tacky it seems like steve levy like he kind of knows what he's talking about but he, he also at the same time doesn't really like i know i i think it's espn that has um oh my gosh i'm blanking on his name right now 
um, uh, played for the Rangers, um, bald guy. Oh my God, I'm blanking on it. Oh, Messier. Oh, Mark I, Messier. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they you were trying Messier. to think of Ray Ferraro. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, no. I mean, it, it's, it's it's like ESPN it, just tries too hard. I think. Yeah, I mean, ESPN is absolutely massive. I, I know we talked about it in our last episode, but having Stephen A. Smith, the guy who's making his salary with ESPN is like 18 million dollars a year. He hosts yeah. literally. It's like 18 million dollars a year. He makes. More than every other NHL player, I think McDavid's making like 12 and a half or 13. He's on every single ESPN program. He doesn't know a lick about hockey and he admits it and he just refuses to talk about it on his show. And like ESPN, like their coverage is like their coverages suck. I hate when they're, when they're showing the game and all of a sudden like Bruins are on the power play. And then every time somebody touches the puck, they have to have the little graphic above their name, above the, above their head with their name. And it's like, holy shit. We know who they are. Like, get that off my yeah. screen. It's very distracting. There was a, there was a, there was a. Uh, they zoomed in on David Pasternak the other day. It was an ESPN broadcast. They zoomed in on David Pasternak, and they had one of those graphs or like one of those little header things. And the picture was Connor Clifton. And, and I saw I'm, that. Yeah, don't even look alike at all. No, they're not even. Can, they don't, don't even play the same position. Honest to God, they could not have picked two more opposite players in the Boston Bruins to do that with. And it's, one guy, it's, one guy hits a lot and is like five ten. The other guy is like I don't know. I think he's over six feet and he scores like fifty to sixty goals a season. Like figure <laughs> it out. And it's it's um, no, it, you're right. It's so annoying. And the, the, the I did like though. No, wait. I'm sorry. I, you know what that's like. You know what that's like. If if it was a Celtics game and they were showing Jason Tatum on the screen and they put up a little graph and it was like Peyton Pritchard, <laughs> right, right, that's spot on. Yeah, um, like come on, figure it out. I I did like though. Uh, it I feel like ESPN also knows their limitations because for the NHL trade deadline they just used uh, TSNs and they just they just patched that in and they just streamed theirs. Um, yeah. Although it was a little heartbreaking because ESPN took Ray Ferraro and I like Ray Ferraro a lot and they had uh, like they patched him in and he like co- like video called into the rest of the crew and they're like, "Damn, we miss you up here, buddy." But do uh, you remember um, Channel Six? Do you have Comcast? Yep. Channel sixty five used to watch the games on Versus. Yes, Versus that, was awesome. That was the best. I love yes. Versus. And then I think they got bought out. They got. They became NBC Sports, yeah. um, and then NBC lost the rights. But honestly, ever since uh, NBC lost the rights and Doc Emmerich retired, yeah, just hasn't hit the same man. There, there isn't that one voice that you just um, you you know tie in with hockey games. There's you, yeah. you don't have that anymore. Doc Emmerich was like synonymous with the NHL playoffs. No, he was perfect, dude. And even like, because like you think about other sports, like the NFL, like Jim Nance, Al Michaels, they have like three or four, Joe Buck, like three or four yep. of these big guys. Um, MOB, I know Joe Buck calls games. Ernie Johnson, I don't know if he still calls games. He used to. They have their guys. But the NHL, man, it was like just Doc Emmerich. Every single year in the playoffs, nobody else. This dude's calling Stanley Cup finals. Of course, they put his voice in the NHL video game, and it was like, mm-hmm. how could he get much bigger than this? And then he retires. <laughs> and yeah. I was happy for the guy, but I was like, damn. And I think, I wonder if that affected some of the NHL marketing a bit too. Because other it than, like, I, I can't name you, I don't think I can name you, other than Steve Levy, because we just heard him the other day, I don't think I can name you like a single national broadcast. Maybe uh, like, like Brian hockey. Boucher. Oh yeah, 
But like maybe, like he's like you don't like you you don't. I know Eddie Olchek used to be the color guy. I don't know if he still is. I like Eddie, Eddie Olchek. Yeah, he was good. Um, but bring yeah, back they Pierre don't really McGuire. have a, bring back Pierre. They don't really have a uh, one single voice. But um, so yeah, then the Bruins the Bruins played a back to back Saturday Sunday both matinee games. Uh, right against Detroit. Uh-huh. Um. A home and home series. Bruins took the first one three to two. Omar started that game. He got the win. Um, started off a little shaky though. Two goals in the first period from Detroit. It was quickly two nothing uh, Red Wings. Uh, actually, within the first five minutes, it was two nothing Red Wings. But then Bruins stormed back with a huge second period. Um, they outshot Detroit eighteen to two in the second. Um, yeah. Lindholm had a goal. Bergeron actually scored on the power play. So there, there's that power play goal we were talking about. And uh, Hathaway had that clutch goal with about six minutes to go in the third period. Nice little greasy goal from Garnet Hathaway. That was his first as a Bruin. It was really good to see. Um, but yeah, Bruins, Bruins outshot uh, Detroit this game pretty heavily. Uh, actually, not really. 38 to 31. Um, but they they killed him in the second period. Second yeah, period I was, was huge. I was gonna say the Red Wings. I believe at the end of the first, I think shots were fifteen to eleven. Yeah. So just to do a math off the top of my head here. The rest of the way, the Bruins outshot them uh, twenty seven to like 16. 14, 16. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good for, for two periods. But I learned this game, man. Also, too, on top of that, uh, Red Wings had 24 block shots, the Bruins 10. I think I remember at one point the Bruins had like 54 shot attempts like at the end of the second period or beginning of the third to the Red Wings, like 28 or something ridiculous like that. But yeah. I had no idea that um, Tyler Bertuzzi, was like that good of a playmaker. You see yeah, some of these passes that he's making out there. Mm-hmm. I believe did did he have an assist this game? He didn't this game, but he had an assist his first game here. I think he just had an assist last game or something. And like the passes he's making, like he oh he had the uh, the assist on that goal right Coil. in front of the net. Coyle's Coil, goal. Coyle's goal. I mean, right behind, behind the net. The net. Yeah, sick. quick little like touch pass. He was making a couple passes like through traffic under sticks. He had one. Uh, the it might have been the second game against Detroit where he had the puck. Uh, at, at the at the blue line, say like where like the left shot defenseman is, uh, and he literally like passed it like like under two sticks through traffic, and he hit somebody like right on the back door. And I was like yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi, like this guy is like he's a piece of shit. Like he's gonna get his nose dirty, drive you crazy. Uh, but he's got some finesse to his game with his passing ability. I know he had uh, what he had back to back twenty goal seasons. <clears throat> he had a thirty goal ski season, so he could put the puck in the net, but. Um, I, I, either well, they're playing the Blackhawks tonight. Okay. So at this point, the game would have already happened, but I, I encourage you next game to keep an eye out for Tyler Bertuzzi and watch his passing ability because he really surprised me with, he's got some eyes in the back of his head. Yeah, man. His, his hockey senses are, you can kind of tell he's not the, he's not the fastest guy out there. Um, he's not going to wow you with his puck skills, but his IQ, he, he, you can see him setting up the play before he makes the play. You like, he's mapping it all out in his head before he actually makes the play and it's it, it fits in perfectly too with especially when hall comes back bertuzzi might get hall going if bertuzzi is able to find open spaces like he is right now and feed a goal scorer in taylor hall 
I mean, th- those two could be deadly going down the stretch on that third line. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi, you can tell just by looking at him, the guy's a hockey player. I mean, he yeah. can score the puck. He can pass the puck. He can piss you off. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the best skater. But I saw a game the other day. Uh, I think he just hopped on the ice. Bruins are making a change. Uh, and I think it was still against the Red Wings. Guy in the Red Wings had the puck. Two defense and we're back. And this dude, Bertuzzi, just hops out, slashes his stick. Doesn't get a penalty. Not a penalty slash. But you know what I mean. Just getting a little two-hand whack. Guy loses the puck. Puck goes to the defenseman. Bertuzzi chases him down in his own zone. And keep in mind, Bertuzzi's the only... There's like two Bruins guys on the ice because they're doing a change. And Bertuzzi went right after the guy in the corner, tied him up against the wall, kicked the puck down like behind the behind the uh, boards. And, and the other guy came over and picked up the puck. But when he was doing all that, the Bruins had enough time to change. And they were right in the neutral zone trying to stop the Red Wings from breaking out. And it's just like... I love Bertuzzi, man. Like he's one on three going in there causing havoc, man. I, I know I don't believe he, he hasn't got his first goal yet, but he's making plays all over the ice and uh right when they need him. Cause like you just said, Taylor Hall, don't know when we're getting him back. I know I, I think they said he 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 got what he got a second opinion. He just went back on the ice. Um, but I know uh Montgomery also said like basically let's pump the brakes a little bit. He does have a significant injury. Um yep. so like you just said, like <sighs> Bertuzzi is going to be huge right now moving forward. And I say huge in the sense of like the Bruins don't really need these wins at this point, right? Because they're going to be the number one seed or at least unless something catastrophic happens. But for the flow of the team and to get his feet going and to get his confidence going, these games are going to be big for him. But man, if Taylor Hall is healthy come playoff time, you got Tyler Bertuzzi there. Holy shit. Look out. Look out more than you already were because this Bruins team is, I mean, they're like four lines deep. Yeah, like oh, their, oh, their yeah. fourth line was humming the other night too. The game that like, Hathaway scored. They're like five. They're like five fucking lines deep. Yeah, the, the the first game against Detroit, I think I tweeted that uh, the fourth line deserves this win because they were all they were all over there. They were going out there against like Detroit's second line, which they're, I mean doesn't dude, mean much. The Red Wings kind of suck now, but like that was the game. Hathaway got the game winner. Yeah. Deserve that. They were grit grinding. Like every time the Bruins needed momentum, they would just send that line out there and they would get something going. Um, um, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's four lines deep. You have a team like that, like this going in the playoffs and you can comfortably put your fourth line out there. That's going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, like you said, dude, sometimes, especially lately, they've been the best line. And I think it's, I think what you're seeing right now is just kind of an adjustment period. Um, with with the team and all the new guys too. Cause it's not like you just added one guy into the lineup. Um, you added Bertuzzi. You added Dmitry Orlov. You added Garnet Hathaway. Those are three guys who are in your lineup every night playing impactful minutes, and they're still adjusting to you know the team. And I'm sure the team is still adjusting to you know the way that they play. So the it's not exactly surprising that the Bruins have low key taken a step back, but it's not really even a step back. It's just, you're not seeing as dominant of play as of late. And I think it's just because, you know, you got these guys getting acclimated to the team and we haven't even mentioned Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall still being out. And you can, you really notice Nick Foligno not being in that lineup. It's a whole different energy. It's a whole different energy. Especially the end of the games there when I miss him yes. doing his little 360 thing and hugging Bursey and everybody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you know, there were people, uh, I, I've unrational fans, um, 
maybe sounding the alarms because, you know, they lost, they dropped that game to Edmonton and then they dropped that game to Detroit. Well, at least you're not going to see Edmonton for the rest of the year, right? I don't even, do they have another game this year against Detroit? I would assume that they're done as well. But, I think that I was mean, the last one. Those are also games that, like, they played Detroit back to back. They already looked pretty flat going into that first period against Detroit. They were able to flip the switch and take that game over and win. Um, and like, that's just what happens. And I know the argument against that is, well, you know, Detroit had the same schedule. They're playing the Bruins back to back. Well, Detroit's playing for a playoff spot right now. They're going balls to the wall. I don't think they're going to get it. I know Stevie Y traded some pretty impactful players. I don't know what he's got, Bruin. Yeah. I'm sure he does. But I mean, the Bruins are at this point where they had a couple new guys in the lineup. Uh, you know, they're like, Right now, today in time, Pi Day, they're like 11 points up <laughs> on the second seed in the East or something like that. Um, and I mean, they're in Detroit playing a crappy Detroit team. You know, maybe they just didn't feel like getting up to it. But despite that, they were down 4 nothing, stormed all the way back. And say what yeah. you want about the Edmonton game, too. Again, they just played them the week before. Uh, and now you're playing, you know, a couple of the most talented players in hockey. And Losses happen. I mean, we knew they weren't going to go eighty-two and zero, but despite you know what, they're two and two in their last four. Some give me yep. a goddamn break. Yeah. They're on a three-game <laughs> three losing streak going in the All-Star break. All-Star break ended. Boom, they won ten straight games. Yep. Like there, the, there should be nothing to worry about with this Bruins team. The only thing I'll be worried about is them staying healthy, and they've done a pretty good job of not even staying healthy because they've had injuries, but battling back and coming back from injuries. Now, the only thing that I'm questioning Mm -hmm. is what they're going to do with Bergeron and Krejci moving forward because their age, you're going to need their legs in the playoffs. So I wonder if, you know, maybe they're going to reduce some of their minutes. Um, I don't know if they're going to give them a, you know, not load management, but maybe give them a break every now and then take a Uh, game off. See, but it almost, it almost is load management though. And it's not like the N- the NBA where load management is I I don't know a ton about the NBA from but from what I hear from people on Twitter and just kind of sports talk shows and whatever radio it's becoming kind of a problem where they're instituting a rule now where you have to play at least a certain amount of games to win an award. So as long as the NHL doesn't go down that route, you're it's almost circumstantial. Like what you're seeing with the Bruins right now, they're on pace. They already clinched a playoff spot. They're probably unless a disaster happens going to win the division. Why are you going to risk older guys like Bergeron, like Krejci, um, a guy like Marshawn who admitted he's not a hundred percent healthy after his, his hip surgery. Why are you going to risk them getting hurt down the line when you can rest them and not, not completely rest them, but sit them every now and then so that they can kind of catch a break and get their legs going and catch their wind again and have them, you know, almost at a full tank of gas for playoffs. Um, Cause you got to remember these guys are old. They're, they're, they're not <laughs> they're old in their in late thirties. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're old in hockey terms. Um, but, but you need them to conserve their energy. Like, would you rather have them play out the rest of the season, go for this point record, go for the, for the all time record. Um, or would you rather kind of risk the team taking a little bit of a step back not going for that point record um, and instead save these guys um, for playoffs and lessen the risk injury. Yeah, that's, I mean, that should be an absolute no brainer for any right. fan. I mean, of, of course you want the wins and the points record, but you don't play for regular season records. You play for right. the cup and you yes. want the best 
possible team you could put out there on the ice. And I think that you you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about NBA players. Everything you said is true. And I think that's just a, a bit of the men, the mentality um, mm-hmm. of, of a hockey player, right? When do you see players in the NHL ever take time off? It's 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 like a COVID pandemic sweeping through the NBA <laughs> with players who want to take time off. It's just not a thing in the NHL. And I think that for Krejci and Bergeron, I think that the most logical thing is for these guys to maybe take a night off here or there. Yep. But I, I just don't think that's in them. And I, and I think it's almost disrespectful to ask them to not suit up for a game here or there because, you know, all the implications of the season. And, of course, Bergeron's got the C, Krejci's got the A. I mean, you just don't want those guys in the lineup. But at the same time, I mean, they've had a lot of injuries this year. You know, they could they could afford to lose a guy like uh, Grizzlick at the beginning of the season because they had guys step up. They, they were able to weather the storm when McAvoy went down. They've been okay when Jake DeBrusque was down. But if Patrice Bergeron is out of your lineup, they're screwed. That's your top line center, your captain, the heartbeat of your team. Even David Krejci, I know they missed David Krejci for a little bit there. It was a different team when he was out of the lineup. Like you need those guys heading into the playoffs. Let's not forget too, David Krejci, he he flips a switch when the playoffs come. The guy almost won the freaking con smite in 2013, the way he was playing. I think he led all all the entire playoffs in points or some shit. But um, you need these guys, arguably, I would say more than anybody else on this team heading into the playoffs maybe not as much as possible, but Bergeron, I think, is the most valuable player this Bruins team has heading into the playoffs with all the intangibles, top line center, the lack of depth behind him at that position. You need Bergeron healthy, 100% going into the playoffs, and it might make sense for this guy to say, hey, maybe instead of playing 20, 20 20-plus minutes a night, I'll play 15, I'll play 14 there. We got a back-to-back phantom injury the second game. I won't suit up. Stuff like that. Um and I th- we'll see what happens, but I think that that's probably their their best uh, scenario moving forward to make sure that they're healthy for the playoffs. And a, a guy that I really, honestly, a guy I would like to see take more time off than anyone else in the lineup is Brandon Carlo. And that's not because of any way that he's playing. It's because of his injury history. You need him to be as healthy as can be heading into playoffs because everybody knows it's it, it's a it's a weird hit off the boards. It's it's it, it's anything to the head, honestly, and it sucks to say. But um, the amount of concussions that he's had in some in in so little amount of years is scary. So you need him to be healthy and rested up going into the playoffs because he's he's like it or not, and I don't know why people wouldn't like it, but he's in your top four defense. He's reliable. He's a guy you lean on. Um, as much hate as he gets, and I think it's unwarranted because he's not a bad defenseman. He's good in your own end. He's not a puck mover per se, but he's solid back there. Um, you you do not want to lose him in the playoffs to an injury. Yeah, especially too. Um Cause like I hate to say it, man, but Matt Grizzly has looked like shit. Like he's, the last couple games he's played, yeah. I thought that he has not looked very good. I know it, it's it's hard when you've been a top four guy your whole career. You make some changes, suddenly it looks like you might be the odd guy out, or he's one of those rotation pieces where he's going in and out of the lineup. But um, you know, especially like looking at Brandon Carlo, the schedule moving ahead. I mean, they have a a couple good teams that the Bruins are playing. They got Tampa coming up. They got Buffalo. They got Carolina. But then they play Nashville, who's like six points out of a playoff spot. They play Columbus to end the month. They play Montreal next month. They play St. Louis. They play Philly. I mean, those teams have no chance of making the playoffs. I mean, who's to say that they're not just going to go out there and try to just 
start shit or or maybe you know rub a guy out on the boards because you only got two games yeah. left this season and who's to say that that guy's brandon carlo and next thing you know he hits his head or something happens so i would just be wary of that too um but either way i mean they've they've played all of their success this year has awarded them this position to be able to rest guys heading into the playoffs. They can be a hundred percent. They can have, you know, full energy in the tanks, batteries charged for the first round of the playoffs because they have the luxury of being like nine or 10 points up on the second place team. Everything seems to be going in their favor. So you can rest some guys. You can afford it. It's all right because I know everybody wants to play for the points record, for the wins record. They, they got something to play for right now to end the season. But at the end of the day, that's not what you're going for. If you get that record, the wins record, and you lose a Stanley Cup, nobody's ever going to remember you for it. If you don't get the points record and you win the Stanley Cup, nobody's ever going to forget that. So I just I think you kind of have to take things into consideration and – I would not be surprised if we see the Bruins start resting some guys moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I know we have some DMs and I know we have some voicemails, but before we get into that, I would like to remind everybody that we are brought to you by the amazing Cano Wellness Company. Cano Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can of sleep, can of mend, can of fresh and can of boosts. It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts in four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket. It is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Cano Wellness Company to support high performance. So Mel, let's talk about each product. Canna Boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when you're studying for an exam, and other times you increase clarity, stamina, and concentration. Canna Men provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Canna Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or you need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Canna Fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Canna Sleep is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid, which is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in, just spray or roll over and snooze. Control your dosage and how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Canna Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to CannaWellness.com. That is C-A-N-I-Wellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That is BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the CannaWellness.com website. We thank Kenna Wellness for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins related podcast. Sully, back to you. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so um yeah, let's do uh let's do some voicemails. I let's know, do uh, it. We got a couple. We have we have two. Guys. Shout out to you guys. This is our first one. Uh, I believe this is from a friend in West Virginia. I just know because I recognize his phone number now because he leaves such <laughs> amazing questions. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, bit of a random question, but who do you guys think gets the C when Bergeron calls it quits? 
I think we've answered that before, but has it? It was it was one of the early episodes. Do you th- has it changed for you since the season's going on? Of who you think would get the C? Historically, the Bruins go with defensemen. Wait, let's go. Let's go the C in two ways. Let's say Bergeron okay. and Krejci retire. Okay. Who, are, okay. who are your next letters? Okay, I'll start with the A's. One A. Jake DeBrusque gets an A. I think that's a horrible pick. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. He deserves an A. Um, the other A. T- we're go. We're going two A's, right? Two A's. Let's yeah. see. Damn. Um, Brad Marchand gets the other A, and then McAvoy with the C. You don't think Jake DeBrusque is a good pick for the A? Um, let me. All right, let me tell you why. It's not that he. Okay. Let me tell you why. This man comes into the team. He's dogged by Bruce Cassidy. Dog, dog, dog. Everybody's dogging him. He's not performing, whatever. But but his mentality never changed. He's always been that guy who's given 110%. He's always grinding. He's always going, you know, what's what's the saying? Uh, uh, Ask the wall. Balls to the wall. I was going to say ass, ass to the, the- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Then he's going backwards. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he's always going balls to the wall, dude. And then you see him. He, he takes away his trade request. He signs a two-year bridge deal with the team. Uh, he wants to say he wants to be a Bruin. And he backs that up with his play this year. And he's having a career season. And he's one of the main reasons why this team is driving the, the way that they are. And not to mention, too, he has overcome all that adversity and he has not complained about anything one time. And he could have, he could have sounded off multiple times and this team rallies around him too. He, he's a, you see clips in the locker room on behind the B you see him reading the lineup card when he's injured. Um, you see him in the booth with Jack and brick when he's injured. Like yeah. he's just, he's like the guy right now. And I, I think he deserves an A. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that he doesn't deserve it. I just think that their player is more deserving. I mean, for instance, you said that his mentality hasn't changed and he hasn't complained when the dude literally requested a trade out of here. Although I will say since Mm -hmm. then, he's turned it around. He's been vocal in the locker room. But how can you not pick David Pasternak? You just just, signed him to eight years, $90 million. He's a former Rocket. He's... uh, a 50 goal scorer seemingly every year. David Postonok wow. has to be your A. He's yeah. also even not not just like leadership wise and and I guess monetarily <laughs> wise, but he's also uh I mean I think Bergeron's still the face of this team, but there's an argument mm-hmm. to be made for David Postonok. He's probably top 5, top 6 in the NHL in terms of marketability. I mean, how many NHL players do you see in commercials and you always see I mean, I know it might be a little different because we're in the Dunkin' Donuts hub and pastas in every commercial, but he's also all over the NHL social media feed. The whole pasta thing, the emojis. I think Dude, pasta. He just, he, he just did a sandbagger with uh, spitting chiclets. It dropped. Yeah, man. Tonight, actually, I actually I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that. Um, yeah. I think pasta has to have an A. And yeah, no, you're right. I think <laughs> I think you're <laughs> I think you're right that Brad Marshan is the other A, although. Dark horse for me is Hampus Lindholm. Yes, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. again, he's another guy who's locked up. Bruins got him for like six more years. I mean, he's, I don't know if you saw that thing that I tweeted the other day, but analytics say he's the second, has the second best odds to win the Norris this year. I yeah. mean, he's been really good and he's vocal. He's a leader in the locker room. But um, I mean, Brad Marchand's been here forever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, he's getting pretty close to number retirement uh, legacy wise. Um, and I think you're spot on with Charlie McAvoy again to see. I think that he's yeah. tailor made to get that C. Like you said, Bruins, Bruins are synonymous with their defensemen wearing the C. They have a long history of having elite defensemen. Charlie McAvoy is the next guy up. Uh, it just makes too much sense for him to get the C. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna walk back a little bit. I'm gonna say Marshawn and Pasta get the A, but when Marshawn retires, then it goes to Debrusque and Lindholm too. I mean, there's a handful of guys that you could pick from, honestly. Yeah. Um. You, even Connor Clifton. I mean, you know he's. <laughs> <laughs> just give the entire team an A. <laughs> Everyone's out there wearing an A on their chest. The Boston Browns. All right, here's a, here's another one. Uh, I think this is from Ethan Moriarty. Follow him on Twitter at emoriartywx. He just texted me and said, "Just up the voicemail for the pod." I'm assuming that this is from him. Let's see what he had to say. Uh, up, boys. It's Ethan here. Uh, quick question for you guys. My Question today is, would you sign any of the rentals if you could? Which rentals would you like to keep uh, between, you know, Orlov, Hathaway, Bertuzzi, any of those guys? Uh, if you had to pick one of them, which one would you keep on the number ones for next season? Peace, boys. Mm. Now, listen. If you could only keep one, right? Okay, let's say this. Let's say the contract is three years. Yep. You give them a three-year contract. You only hand one of them a three-year contract. <sighs> I think I'm giving it to Orlov. Yeah, I um, I would agree with that because you're probably – if you sign Orlov and you can extend him, you're probably moving on from Matt Grizzlick. Yeah. Um, you're signing Clifton to maybe like a two, three-year, $2.5 million deal. Would that be fair, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I'd say he can get that. Yeah, and, and then – Although I would like to have Bertuzzi, but if you keep Bertuzzi, you're almost most definitely going to lose Taylor Hall now that you have Zaka side as well. Um, Because I think Bertuzzi would be cheaper than Hall. But I think that out of those three, the number one target would probably be Orlov, number two, Bertuzzi, and then three, Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. I'll love to go to Hathaway. But I think just like in terms of team building wise, um, I mean, I if the Bruins were to run it back, and to and like Bergeron doesn't retire, Krejci doesn't retire. I know they have some UFAs throughout the lineup, but for the the meat and meat and potatoes of their lineups coming back next year. I think Tyler Bertuzzi is a third liner, and mm-hmm. I don't think you can. I mean, I think that he can demand. What do you think he could get north of four? I think yeah. he could get close to closer to five and yeah. you're not paying a third liner that much money. And Dmitry Orlov, I mean, the guy's been playing your top line defensive pair with Charlie McAvoy. I mean, if you could only sign one of them for three years, I think that it would be more of an impact signing if you could keep Orlov. Cause that's a guy who could be top four defenseman, top two pairing potentially if they keep him out yeah. there with, with McAvoy, whereas Bertuzzi is going to be a third liner, but also like with how much money that they're going to be making, it, it would just make more sense. I think and the, for a three-year deal to keep around Orlov than Bertuzzi, but yeah, who knows? Maybe they can keep both of them. That would be nice. Again, all the love to guard at Hathaway, but Bertuzzi and Orlov, I would love if they could resign both of them. Yeah. They're definitely the priority. 
those were our only two voicemails this week. All right. Um, so we did get a couple of DMs as well. Um, the first one comes in from Natasha Gershon. You can follow her at NG3400. Great follow on Twitter. Uh, great hockey content. She asks, question for the pod. What are our chances of breaking the President's Trophy curse? Oh. I say hi. I say hi. It's about every 10 years that a President's Cup winning team wins the cup. And I believe the last team to do that was the, I don't want to get it wrong, but off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was the Chicago Blackhawks. Was um, Vancouver, did Vancouver win the president's cup the year that the Bruins beat them? They, yes. They, yeah, that was 2011 that they won. Now, I know people like to think that this isn't just a normal Bruins pres. If the Bruins were to win the President's Cup, this isn't just a normal Bruins President's Cup winning team. This is a historic team. Let's not forget what happened to that Lightning team a couple years ago that right. had like 62 wins and got swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets. Dude, let me tell you, I am every every day I get a little more nervous about the New York Islanders. I mean, Matt Barzal is still hurt. They're kind of on a roll right now. Ilya Sorokin is no joke. He can steal a series against a juggernaut of a team like the Bruins. That's not a series that I want to see. Yeah, but I mean, which is true, but the Islanders have unequivocally more to worry about than the Bruins oh, yeah. do if they were but, to face each other. Dude, but so did the Blue Jackets when they played Tampa. The, yeah, the, I the still, Blue Jackets had Bobrovsky, kind of like Sorokin. To this day, I still don't understand how the hell that Crazy. happened with Crazy. Tampa. But um, I think that uh, Shukri Wrights tweeted that that if there was one team that he'd be worried about, it was the Islanders, and I responded. And I really? still think I still think that Ottawa would scare me, even oh, though they don't have... Off. Even though they don't have the goalie, they're one one and one against the Bruins this year. They have probably the deepest left side defensively in the entire NHL. They have some guys who know how to win, um, and they just—it just felt like all year they were just trying to make it click. Like they had like the old rusty letter, and they keep trying to light it, and there's sparks coming, and there's sparks coming, and then suddenly they were like, boom, twelve three and one over their what's that? 16 games over 16 yeah. games gets there on fire. Um, so if it, like, that's a team, I think that the Bruins would be able to beat them, but mm-hmm. that's a team that if they got hot at the right, like if they're hot right now, I don't know how they've been over the last half week or so, but at the time they were hot. Um, that could be a team that I would, I would be worried about a, a trap series against in the first round, but you're definitely right, man. Sorokin, is out of this world right now. Yeah. The analytics so for him too are, are crazy. He's like an analytics darling because <laughs> uh, the Islanders defense like sucks and defensively as a team, they suck. And yeah. he's just been saving everything left and right. It seems like. Yeah. Um, so thank you for the, uh, <laughs> thank you for the question, Natasha. Our next DM here comes from our friend back to black back-to-back blue season you can follow him on twitter at incredible mr e7 he says ethan 2.0 here so we got both ethans on this episode Let's hell go. yeah ethan 2.0 here good series split with the wings that loss i think was needed sometimes a good punch in the mouth game helps us wake up the question is down the stretch with resting who do we see come up and who gets the black ace role come playoffs mclaughlin 
Lauco, Wolf, Beecher? <laughs> I have my answer. I wanted to see what your answer was because you teased it a little bit on Twitter. So I'll answer the first part of the question um, with guys wrestling. Who do we see coming up? Uh, you could see McLaughlin, even though his year in Providence wasn't amazing. Um, maybe Vinny Letary if he's healthy. Um, Jacob Lauco for sure. Um, There's a name that you're not saying. Who am I missing? There's like a 19-year-old Swede. Oh, Fabian Lysel. Yeah. Mm, you. That's who I was thinking. I would love – oh, man. I would like to see him. I don't think he's going to make any impact whatsoever this year, especially this year. But I would like to see him get his feet wet. Throw him out there for a game or two and see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, he looked fine in the preseason. You could. The only thing that you could say is that he needed to bulk up, which is 100% yeah. true. Also, not for nothing, too, but I bet you he gets a little excited walking into the locker room and seeing Lena Solmark and Hampus Lindholm in there. Couple oh, of couple of sure. impactful Swedes. I think that would be cool, too. Uh, maybe that'll light a little fire under his butt to try and make the big club next yeah. year whatever it is and think but. about the confidence boosts that he probably got too when everybody on twitter was yelling you know trade him for chikrin get trade him for horvat and and sweeney was like nah we're, we're gonna keep him we like yeah this like that's yeah. a big confidence booster for him yeah and i mean he was he was playing incredible in the ahl this year he went over to play in the what was that the world juniors for sweden and he was held yep pointless or whatever came back and had like three points in his first yeah. game or whatever the hell he was doing over here but i want to see what he can do in the big club for a couple games why not i mean the bruins have nothing to lose you know what they could do literally nothing. they could just say screw it and oh i was gonna say i could say screw it and call up beecher call up lysel call up lauco have them roll some fourth line minutes against the the canadians they play them at the end of the year Screw it. See what they can not do. A, Get their feet Not wet. a bad idea, dude. Um, ha- and plus, they're familiar with each other. They'd be a little more comfortable. I wouldn't yeah. I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. But um, for my Let Black me give Ace pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, hang on. We're going to pause the pod really quick. We're going to give our friend Don Sweeney a call. <laughs> um, but uh, to the Black Ace role in the playoffs, I think that's Jacob Lauko's spot for sure. He He's come up. He's He's been that bus boy basically <laughs> comes up plays a game goes back down to providence but but when he comes up here he looks good like he he i wouldn't even be mad if he was in this lineup um all season to be honest with you playing that fourth line role he's looked good all year um i think lauko's for sure the black ace you on the same thought process yeah yeah um i mean i, I don't i think i think you're right i think lauko is the best, not just the best option, but I think he deserves it. Yeah, um, I do too. He had he had that he had the nice goal the other night with a big celebration too, which was cool to see. Yep. But um, yeah, I think that Lauko is is the black ace guy. But still, I mean, I I, I didn't have that plan before it came out of my mouth. But I would love to see Beecher Lauko and myself playing the fourth line at the end of the year. I think that would be so much fun. It would be cool. Um, Lauko actually is, he's a funny follow on Twitter too. I don't know if yeah. you saw when they called him up for that one game and sent him right back down. He posted the gif of, uh, the, of Homer Simpson's father walking into the bar, putting his hat up on the hood thing, doing a little circle, grabbing his hat and walking back out. Like, yeah. It's so funny. funny. I know yeah. he's had some, I know he's had some Twitter exchanges and tweets as well about some, uh, some, some of our own. But he's an interesting oh, follow. He seems yeah. like a funny guy. He's Czech too, right? Yeah, he's also Czech. So yeah. boom. Just another guy to add to the mix. Team yeah. Czech over here. The Czech mix. 
Um, I wanted to ask you. So I know by the time people hear this episode, the game tonight against the Blackhawks will already be over. Hopefully the Bruins won. But I did place a bet for tonight. Do you want to hear it? I do. All right. I also did. All right. We'll we'll roll through our bets for this game real quick. All right. So far, I've only placed one. But that might change as the game goes on. And I, Mm -hmm. I want people to listen. This is not betting advice. Do no. not take anything that Sully and I say seriously because I've believe me, I've lost a lot more money betting than I've won. <laughs> but when I place bets, I'm not throwing 50 bucks there, 25 bucks there. I think the most I've ever placed in a single bet is like $10. Mm-hmm. Like Monterey is like $2 here to win eight, three bucks there to win 12. Those are my kind of bets. I don't go crazy. Although, before I tell you, what my bet is for tonight i kind of want to toot my horn a little bit here i was watching uh i don't know i i had a couple bad bets last night i placed some bets in the celtics game they freaking lost the worst team in the league so i was i was like let me throw some money on an nhl game um and i noticed that first of all i listened to the last spit and chicklets podcast which tage thompson guy got me all fired up i said i'm buying into this buffalo Sabres hype for this year baby i looked they were losing to toronto two to one so I went, I'm going to go throw five bucks on Buffalo coming back to win this game. And then I texted you and I said, yep. take the Sabres money line. They're down two to one right now. And then you didn't answer me. And then like 45 minutes went by, I checked my phone and it was suddenly four to two Buffalo. <laughs> I texted you back and I was like, I hope you listened to me. <laughs> you were like, I did. We threw down the same bet. So honestly, that, that has like literally never happened to me before in my betting career, which is why I had to kind of toot my horn a little bit there. That Dude, I, I- I I had the Sabres money line and I also had a Dylan Cousins anytime goal scorer. Both of them hit. It was I won like almost a hundred bucks, dude. It was nice. We, we might have to do like a little at the end of every episode. We could have a little blurb here about how our bets went from the last week or something. Yeah, just well, so wait, people can listen to the misfortune that I go through. <laughs> well, what was your What was your bet for tonight's game? Okay, for tonight Bruins and Blackhawks. I got the Bruins money. I did a parlay. So all three of these need to happen for my bets to hit. Bruins money line. So I'm saying that the Bruins will win the game. Brad Marchand, anytime goal scorer. And then I said that there will be at least one goal scored in the first period. Nice. I, okay, for sure, dude. Against this team, absolutely. It's plus one fifty-five. I put down five bucks. If I win, I make just under thirteen. Atta boy. So, That's a couple iced coffees and a donut. <laughs> so Maybe. my uh, my bets for tonight, I have. David Krejci, um, at least one assist. Uh, that's plus 115. I wagered 20, can win 43. Um, anytime goal scorer, Trent Frederick. I f- he's been on a little bit of a – he's due for a goal. So yeah, and it's yeah. a Blackhawks game, dude. He's going to be playing a lot. I-, I got him penciled in for a goal. He's at plus 340. Wagered 10 to win 44. Um, oh, I actually did that one twice. Whoops. All right, so that one's double. <laughs> uh and then I also have the Bruins money line as well. So, all right, Trent, Trent Frederick's really got to get a goal. There tonight. we go, selling money lines. <laughs> yeah, selling money lines. But um, so that was it for the DMs and voicemails. But we are um, introducing a new segment into the show. It's we're gonna pick three highlights in the NHL in between recordings. So in in the week between recordings, um, we're gonna pick three highlights around the league. This. Week's highlights are the Mitch Marner spinorama goal in front. Nasty. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on our uh, podcast account channel. Uh, Linus Allmark's glove save against Detroit. 
absolute highway robbery, disgusting glove. And then the third highlight of the week was, I forget exactly his name, but he, it was his first career NHL goal for Vegas. Um, and he actually scored it off of his face. So again, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to see these um, highlights, of the week. Um, it's all three of them. They're all on our podcast account. They're called the hashtag spank bank of the week. And it's going to be an award that we give out every episode. So we have a, some audio of the uh, highlights and we're going to drop them in right here and we will award the spank bank of the week winner right afterwards. So enjoy. set of hands here by Marner and just ice cold in his veins on the turnaround looks like the Oilers are going to clear the zone and get it out but a high risk pass and a quick hands but Cloud tries to outlet that one Marner just picks it off but the key here is a little turnaround and how about that quick hand to Skinner not expecting this one to come back at him Marner takes him one way, knocks it, a quick little spin around. Skinner goes out for the poke check and then off the post, off the other and back in. There's the light that you're looking for. Now Mata, 28-year-old defenseman. Centering pass and what a stop. Olmark. This Olmark's best moment of the game. This is your save of the week on Alex Chason. Thank you very much, Linus Olmark. Martinez wires it in around the dasher. Al Smith spins off the wall. And a fight his way to the net. Puck loose down low. Carlson put it on net. Loose puck score! That went in off of Pavel Dorofield. He went in off his visor. It's his first in the NHL. And Vegas leads 4-3. And the winner of the very first annual Spank Bank of the Week award goes to Mitch Marner. How can you not give it to Mitch Marner? I know this is a Bruins podcast, dude, but that oh was my God. that was a that was a silky goal. I'm dude, that was one it. of the most disgusting goals I have ever seen in my life. Guys it's got some it's mitts. Dude, it's not even like he got the pass in front of the net either. Like he picked the pass off and all of a sudden he was just alone in front of the goalie and and did a little like half spin toe drag back the other way, little dangle and into the net. I never, ever want to pump the Leafs tires for anyone on the Leafs, but... It, I mean, you got to give credit when credit's due. That goal was oh, yeah. absolutely disgusting. That that guy on the on the, on the Golden Knights, though, <laughs> that is so – imagine like, man, this guy, right? I'm sure he's wanted to be in the NHL since he was four or five years old, and, and I don't know how old he is now. It's his first career NHL game. I'm sure every single night since he was in kindergarten, he's dreamed about scoring his first – ever NHL goal all of the morning practices practices after school can't go on vacation I got a tournament grinding his ass through the AHL he gets a call up to the big club he gets his first career NHL goal and it's because 
the puck hits him in the forehead <laughs> and it bounces in the back of the net. I do want to say too, we did have another dark horse candidate, which didn't make the cut, but I don't know the guy's name. The clip from the AHL, that yes. guy on the breakaway, or he made it a breakaway after he split a couple guys. Go go to our Twitter account at Bruin something, no G. You can see the four clips there. I think they're all hashtag spank bank of the week. And yep. if you have, if, <laughs> if, if we, Sully and I don't see every play. So if you're ever on Twitter and you see some crazy play, it doesn't have to be NHL, can be overseas, college, in your backyard, on a pond, little tribro. Tribro Titans, doesn't matter what it is. If there's a crazy hockey play that you think is deserving of a Spank Bank of the Week nominee, tag us in it. We'll tweet it out on the Something's Brewing Twitter account. We'll tag you in it as well. And uh, I think Mitch Marner's goal, as much as I hate to say it, like you said, don't want to pump the Leafs tires, but I, I think he's deserving of this one. Dude, and it's tough too because I, I want to give it to Allmark so bad because that glove save was so disgusting. But yeah. I mean, that goal for Marner was it's untouchable. That's something you never see. But I'm going back to that guy who scored the goal off his head. So funny. that I mean, they kind of <laughs> zoomed in on him after he scored and he almost looked disappointed. He was like, hey, like how is that my first career goal? And like, he'll always tell his family, he'll tell his kids someday when they ask him, you know, I, I don't know the guy's name. Don't know if he's good or not. Don't know how long he'll stick in the league, but he can always say he scored a goal. He could never score a goal again, but he'll always have that goal. And people yeah. always be like, man, like, tell me, like, like grandpa, tell us a story about how you scored your first career NHL goal. Well, I was crashing the net hard and there was this little tumbling black disc and it came up and it boot me right in the visor. And next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. <laughs> like he's, that's going to be, that's always like, it's always funny in the NBA. Like if you, like you can go on YouTube and you can watch like this NBA player's first career point. Like I think like Allen Iverson's first career point was a free throw. How mm -hmm. lame this dude, like God forbid he turns into some generational superstar and you go and type in his, his name's first goal. And it's this little flip puck hitting him in the forehead and going <laughs> in the back of the net. You're like, you're going to have to like rewatch it. Like, wait, wait, wait. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm sure if, if he had the option to go back in time, I'm sure he would. And he would prefer not scoring that goal so he could redo his first career NHL goal. Dude, I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was you. It was my it was uh, my first time ever playing uh, Varsity Summer League. And I think it was you. You took a slap shot from the from the point and I'm down low and it hit me in like the chest and it bounced into the net. And that was my first ever summer league goal for high school hockey. Um, You're so, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the, thanks for the assist Mel. But, oh um, my God. Yeah. I mean, like, like Mel said, um, you see any highlights around the league around any, you know, hockey, youth hockey, uh, overseas hockey, NHL hockey, AHL hockey, college hockey, junior hockey, whatever it is, and it's nasty. Tag us. It's I, I just looked it up. The hashtag is Spank Bank of the Week, and it's literally the it's only our account that has that that hashtag. I was I was playing the thought in my head of taking a slap shot and like hitting you in the ribs in front of the net and watching it go in. Dude, I'm pretty sure like I went down my back and I saw it went in and I was just like, yeah, like let's go. <laughs> hey, you're like Dougie Glad from Goon. You're just yeah. putting your body on the line for the betterment of the team. Dude, I it's funny because I really do remember that like yesterday. But um <laughs> yeah, I mean you see any sick highlights, tag us. Don't tag the account. 
tag the account and do hashtag spank bank of the week so that we can keep it in the spank bank folder and congrats to mitch marner i guess for winning the very first spank bank of the week yes um say say, if mitch if you're listening your award will be in the mail in in no time international shipping it takes a little bit to get to canada but don't worry it's coming Hey, as long as that's the only thing that the Maple Leafs will win this year, then I'm I'm good. I was gonna with say, it. first thing a Maple Leaf has won since yeah, I don't I don't count Austin Matthews' heart. So first thing they won since the '60s. Yeah, but um, yeah, hell of an episode. Um, we're gonna close out really quick with a three game recap or three game prediction, starting with tonight's Chicago Blackhawks game. So tomorrow, when you're listening to this, you can see how stupid we are and how wrong we are. But Mel, tonight, <laughs> give a prediction. Um, I think that the Bruins have heard what people have said after their last four games, after that game on Detroit. They're playing um, arguably the worst team in the league. Are the Bruins home? No. Doesn't matter. I'm going to say, is Olmark starting? Uh, he's expected to. I don't think they've announced yet. Five to nothing. Interesting. Wow. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I think the Bruins are kind of floundering a little, not floundering. That was not the right word at all. The Bruins yeah, are hitting the a little, yeah, the Bruins <laughs> are hitting a little bit of a bump in the road. Um, they don't have Carlo tonight. Lindholm is a game time decision. Uh, I'm going to say they're still going to win, but I'm going to say four to two, four to two Bruins win tonight. What's up so, with Lindholm? Uh, I actually, I don't know. It's, it's probably just a phantom thing or he's tired or something. I don't know. Um, but so after the Blackhawks game, then we're going to jump right into the Jets game. That is on Thursday in Winnipeg. Oh God. Pray for those players. Uh, I'm going to say, so bored. oh, I know. I'm going to say three of <laughs> three to one Bruins. Okay. I'm going to say four to three Bruins overtime win. Whoa. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, you see, I don't think that the game is going to go to overtime because I think that the Bruins are going to want to get out of Winnipeg as fast <laughs> as they possibly can. They would rather <laughs> take a regulation point. loss than have to stay in Winnipeg any longer than <laughs> God damn it. Expected. A half an hour more here. I, come on. <laughs> no <laughs> chance. Their own net. Like, yeah. game over. Pull the um, goalie. All right. So now. Uh, finally, in Minnesota on Saturday, a little matinee action prediction. No Kirill Kaprizov. No Jordan Greenway either. No Jordan um, Greenway. <laughs> I'm going to say, or Ryan Sutter. I'm going to yeah. say, by the way, did you see Kaprizov's skates? He, dude, cuts yeah, the he tongues cuts off the his toes. skates. It's weird. Absolute madman. Those Bizarre. Russians, dude. I don't know what's wrong with it. I mean, hey, the Wild have someone cutting the toes or the 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 tongues off their skates. The Bruins don't have they they have a guy with a guy. Oh my god, I just had a stroke. The Bruins have a guy. The Bruins have a guy who doesn't tape the top of his stick. What is happening in the NHL? What is happening? And our pets heads are falling off. It's chaos out here. I would say I'm gonna say four to one Bruins. Mm. I'm gonna say Bruins lose three to two. You know, between this and the overtime game in in Winnipeg, what's up with you, huh? They're on a weird little streak here. They're on a weird streak. I disagree. I'm I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But, hey, with that, um, 
Uh, I just want to remind everybody we are in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. Give them a follow on Twitter at BNG Productions. Um, give myself a follow on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan for constant Bruins content on the bird. And give Nick a follow at Nick Melanson for oh at Nick Melanson underscore oh, for content of basically everything and anything. Hell yeah. Whatever comes in my cranium, I, I put my thumbs to screen and I just hit send. Just tap away. Although um, I will say like 65% of what I say is Bruins and hockey related. True. It, it is. Yeah. And other sports too. You're, you're big into the Celtics and uh, Pats and Sox Celtics, too. yeah. And when uh, I think March 30th comes around or whenever uh, mm. Sox come back to Fenway, you'll see a whole lot of uh, I'm really sick of Bloom tweets. So. Yeah. All right. Hey, well – with that being said, this is episode 34 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Please continue to send us DMs. Please consent, continue to send us voicemails. And you can send us voicemails um, to the phone number 508-263-0854. That's 508-263-0854. We want to get more reactions out of you guys. Um, we want to create a segment with um just live reactions of your calls to games uh you know help us out there and we'll do it for you yeah hey you pat our back we pat yours we scratch yours you scratch us something like that (laughs) (laughs) hey go uh ask the wall hey go ask to the wall tonight (laughs) let's 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 have some fun let's beat the let's win some bets let's win some games let's win some bets betting is legal in mass we're all about to become either really rich or really poor it's gonna be fun to see it's gonna be great times (laughs) we'll do it we'll do it together either way whatever happens oh oh funky murphy's marlboro mass live show april 1st um come come have some drinks with us come have some food it's gonna be a great time wear some black and gold um get a hotel if you're drinking and, and you have a far commute um everybody has to be safe you know um i, I don't want anyone getting hurt after a goddamn bruins watch party at fucking murphy's um <laughs> but it's gonna be a great time come join us i know the only bruins crew they're gonna be there um black and gold hockey podcast they're going to be there and we already have a lot of uh, listeners and fans of the company coming to watch with us and, and have a great time down there um so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing you guys down there and talking to you and meeting you guys and um uh, talking some bees hockey kid. Oh, yeah, kid yeah but hey with that this was episode 34 of something's brewing podcast we'll catch you guys all next week Bye. I give you Derek Zoolander Learning Center for kids who can't read good. What is this? A center for ants? How can you expect children to learn how to read when they can't even fit in the building?